Hello everyone and welcome back to episode 3 of The Growth Garden, our podcast dedicated to cultivating your career progression and personal growth. I'm your co-host Kevin. Hi, and I'm Nikki. And today we're about to dive into an inspiring journey from professional golfer to joining the corporate world to becoming a social media content creator. So trust us, you don't want to miss this one. Welcome to The Growth Garden, Caroline. Thanks everybody. Thanks Kevin and Nikki for having me. I'm super excited for today. So are we. <laughs> so Caroline Pinega has a very interesting career journey. Journey. She was a former professional golfer on the LPGA Tour, Big Break Myrtle Beach Cast member on the Golf Channel, an MBA graduate from Rollins College, and has held multiple positions in management and strategic marketing for the Leadbetter Golf Academy and Amazon, as well as consulting positions in fintech and the crypto world. Now starting her own coaching and consulting business for branding and strategy. She is also a golf con content creator, having grown a large social media platform with 70k followers to make golf more approachable and lower the barriers to entry. So we invited Carolyn as our speaker today to discuss what her career transition was like from professional athlete to going into the corporate world and how that looked like and how she pivoted from going from sports to corporate back to sports. So Caroline, we always start our show with a little introduction. You get 30 seconds to kind of introduce yourself for the audience to get to know you better. So we ask you to tell us one thing about your career, any interesting fact you want to raise, and then one thing about your very current position as a, a social media influencer, and then one thing that could maybe be interesting about your personal life you want to share. So Nikki, are you ready? I have to ask and then, Pavel, are you ready? <laughs> Ready. Cool. Let's go. The one thing about my career, I would say it took many jobs and projects for me to get to realize what I really should be doing and who I am and where I really fit in and where I can really thrive. So that's number one. So I feel like people always think that, you know, they need to find that one job right out of college. You don't just take your time and be you. Secondly, in my social media side and that project that I started about a year ago, I always want to have an impact on people, whatever, whatever I do. And that, you know, a good impact, ideally. And that's how I measure my success of my projects. I'm somebody who's always looking for the outcome. What is the outcome? Why am I doing it? And that's, that's really the focus of the measure of success. And then thirdly, I have an amazing dog who doubles as a head golf head cover whenever she needs to. And she's been <laughs> with me through my entire journey. I got her really the day after I like made it through one of my biggest, it's called qualifying school for the LPGA. And I said, if I make it through, I'm going to get this dog. And she's been there for 11 years for me. So she's the real MVP. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you for that. So Caro, let's start from the beginning. You began by finishing high school at the IMG Academy in Florida, and then you went on to college golf at UCF. Can you share some highlights yes. from that chapter of your life? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's important to give everybody a little bit of a, I guess, context background. I was born in Munich, grew up in Germany, and also split my time a little bit between the Caribbean when I was a lot younger, but finished you know, school until I was 15 in Germany. And then I had played on the national teams in Austria because I'm an Austrian citizen. And we kind of said, you know, I wanted to turn professional. That was my goal already from the age of 11 or 12. And for that to become a reality, I needed to go somewhere where I could train all year. So my parents and I decided that I would move to Florida to attend IMG Academies. And I did that when I was 16. And I don't know if this is a highlight or a low light, but I didn't speak a word of English when I came over here. But looking back, it's a highlight for me because it taught me so much. And that is just the true definition of, you know, somebody jumping into water and having to swim. And I think that experience in itself taught me so incredibly much. And as hard as it was, I would never change it for the world. 
yeah, I mean, it's incredible going somewhere, not being able to speak the language and then having to learn everything in one go, right? You also meet amazing people, you know, you, you can tell the people that are really there to help you. And I, I was able to get, you know, a lot of really good friends who understood my situation and who came to help me and build a team around me. And when I was trying to say something, they just guess, you know, all the time, throw words at me. And I'm like, no, not quite there. <laughs> but it just really, it shows you a lot about, about people's characters and, and really helps you find those people that are going to stick around in your That's life. crazy. Yeah. And when you, when you're like transitioning from sports to the corporate world, undoubtedly that also comes with a set of challenges. I know you've obviously had a lot of challenges just coming to the U S but going then from professional golf to corporate world, can you share some experience and lessons that you learned during that phase? Oh yeah, for sure. So I think for me, it was a big control shift. And when I say this is, I think when you think about corporate you associate control with that. Big corporations control the world, they control the economy, they control, and not necessarily in a bad way, right? I'm not saying this is a bad thing, I'm just saying this is the association that everybody naturally has because it's a big company. And as an athlete, you are in control, always. However much you put in, you get out. And that one-to-one -one ratio was not there when I moved into the corporate world, and I was kind of expecting that to be there because that's how I, my mind was set up. My mind was trained for that. So going into the corporate world, I learned a ton, especially in the kind of interpersonal sense and in the sense that not everybody is an athlete or a previous athlete. Everybody has amazing qualities, but everybody is different, and you have got to adjust to them and allow them to work in positions that make them thrive. You cannot make somebody something they're not. And especially in the corporate world, that really shows, in my opinion. Mm. So that control shift from, I don't feel in control anymore. I put in work nine to five, but what is really the outcome versus I'm going to go train, do the gym, practice, play tournaments all day long. And then I see the outcome at the end of the day. That was a struggle for me, but also a big learning curve. Yeah, I mean, going mm. from full control of your life to no control of your <laughs> life is quite a shift for sure. And you mentioned you had uh, great people along the way that you got to meet and that probably shaped your, your journey. So from, from this corporate experience in golf and then to Amazon, then to fintech and crypto, now building really your own coaching and consulting business. As mentioned, that's quite a journey. And this transition has obviously shaped you surely. But have there been any mentors and influential figures alongside that really instrumentally helped you with this career transition that sparked the career transition and supported you along the way? There have been quite a few, yes, and I feel like they've all played different roles and I've been able to, to pull from various different people what, what you know suits me and what helps me in my career. I mean, number one, my parents, obviously, because my mom is the one who got me into golf in the first place. She is a golf nut. She loves golf probably more than me. So she was kind of the motivational factor behind all of it from the very beginning. And my dad has been an entrepreneur his whole life, so he's just somebody who always wants to do something new and he just cannot sit still. And he loves to work. And that's just kind of, you know, from a mindset perspective and what I've looked up to my whole life was seeing him operate the way he does. And that's, that's shaped me massively in how I operate today. And another really influential person was my college coach, actually, at UCF. She was really kind of like a stand-in mother to me because my parents were still in Europe and I had no family over in the States for all those years. And she was just somebody who, no matter how complicated I was or how much I was struggling, she was always, always had an, an open ear and always listened to me and always, you know, was there to and not put me down. She was just like, okay, 
this girl is obviously going through a lot of things and she helped me through all of that and she was just really understanding. So without her, honestly, I don't know if I would be the same person. So that's great. Yeah, especially as you mentioned, like being, I think, all by yourself across the pond at a young age and not even speaking the language from the get-go. I think that's great that you had this important person in your life to, to actually guide you in some shape and form. And do you understand your entrepreneurial spirit coming then from a family that is very entrepreneurial? Or do you believe this has been just something that came along as you experienced the corporate world, tapped into it, but then also experienced it not being necessarily what you really wanted in life? Would you say you can tribute a bit of your entrepreneurial journey back to your family history being already in the entrepreneurial space? I would say so, yes. Because, you know, when you grow up, you see your parents operate a certain way. And for us, it was just, my dad was always flying around the world for his own work and his own projects. And for us, it was normal that people were in different places. And it wasn't like a bad thing. It was just people either came along or people stayed back, but it was never something that really impacted the relationship of the family. So I think that lays a good foundation for an entrepreneur because as an entrepreneur, you have to go out and you have to do things and you have to leave your comfort zone. And my family consistently did that. And so I kind of became comfortable outside of the comfort zone really young. And then I think it also me experiencing this. So I didn't just take this at face value. And <clears throat> funny enough, My dad was very surprised when I said, I'm going to go work for Amazon because I think he already knows me really well. And he was like, what, why are you going to go corporate? Like, that is not something we do kind of a thing. You know, I don't think this is us. And then I said, well, but I want to know, I want to learn for myself. I'm sure there's a lot of learnings in there and they were, I had a great time in Amazon. It was amazing and I wouldn't change it for the world, but it was funny that he already was kind of like, huh, interesting move. And then I also, for myself, after a year, I just felt that it wasn't my thing and it wasn't fulfilling for me. Okay. And I'm sure it's fulfilling for many other people and Amazon is, is a great company. But for me, it wasn't, it just wasn't it. I think yeah. that's fair enough. I think you also have to find your own groove and find what you're actually passionate about, right? Instead of just staying somewhere and being stuck. I mean, this is why we're doing this podcast here is to show that if you yeah. want to transition your career, here are people who can share their stories. So that's really important for us. Just going back to like your golfing days and like the habits you gained or like the habits that you had while being a professional golfer, do you believe that there are any transferable skills that you're now using in your current roles? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, honestly, if you're somebody who's played sports, not even up to a professional level, but let's say a collegiate mm -hmm. level or a high level of any kind that requires a lot of training, you know, assumably if you're, if you're good at something, you've spent a lot of time doing it. And that in itself means that you have a lot of self-discipline, you have good time management, you have a goal, you have a plan, you're strategic. All those things work really well into your life and you're especially as an entrepreneur because everything's on you. If you don't do it, no one will, right? And that's that's the one thing that I feel like in sports is the most most applicable. Team sports are, the, are similar, just with a little bit of a different spin because everybody has different roles but I was in, in an individual sport, so even more so that applies. If I'm not going to go practice, nobody's practicing. Talking a little bit about your social media growth, I mean, now you went from professional golf to corporate to actually sort of integrating your golf journey back into, like, into your business and social media side. What made you go, okay, why don't I start a golf so social media page and also think about what unique perspective or value you can provide for your followers? By doing that? 
I had been thinking about it and I'm not somebody who ever thought, oh my God, I'm going to be an influencer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm very German. I am very an Americanized German, but I'm very private about my personal life and I don't want to run a social media channel and just, you know, letting everybody out there into my own personal life. That was never the goal. It was a very strategic move for me. It was a very much a business move for me. And I saw a lot of my friends that I grew up with do really well on a social media side. And I looked at it as a platform and as a tool to communicate to people what I'm good at and what I can, how I can add value to their lives. So it's TikTok, Instagram, all of those, those platforms are tools that we didn't have before to be able to communicate that. So I basically wanted to put all that golf knowledge that I have trained and worked for, you know, 20 years out there in a way that is easy to digest, fun to watch, and really for anybody to access. And that social media was really the answer to it. And I just wanted to make sure that I give what I have, you know, I put that out there and it, if it helps somebody, then amazing. And throughout this journey, it's been so good getting that feedback from my followers and they really resonate with my short, quick tips of how to get better with golf. That kind of makes it easier because golf is one of those sports that just has a really high barrier to entry, whether it's cost, whether it's time, whether it's training, it's a hard sport. So I think the more we can do to help people get into it in an easy way, it's, it's awesome. And that was really my goal and my strategic move. And I started last August, I had the idea and I said, I'm going to post, you know, here's my posting schedule. I'm going to do this for the next couple of months. And this wasn't something that worked from the beginning. I don't know how much you want me to go into kind of the stages of like how it grew or if that's, you know, too, too much information. No, much as you want to share, right? Uh, it's very interesting to see somebody actually talk about their beginning social media journey. I started off with taking, taking a class. I took a class, guys, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Even though I'm, I'm, you know, we're using social media on a daily basis and people may think, why would you take a class? I mean, you just log in. But what I wanted to know is exactly the, the algorithms behind it and how the platforms operate and how the platform thinks so I can use it for what I want to use it for. And granted, that changes. Algorithms change, platforms change, but it still gave me a really good understanding of how I can monetize my content, how I can grow my own brand faster and how I can have the platform work for me versus working against the algorithm. And I didn't have much traction for the first couple of months, but I kept posting. And so when I see something not working, and this is the number one thing that also applies to every single thing you do, if something's not working, change it. Even if you don't have a plan, just change it because fail fast and fail forward then if the next thing doesn't work, change it again. In life, we have to stay nimble and adjustable. And so I just switched up my posting schedule. I switched up my content type. And then, you know, one day, I think it was around April, May, I posted something that highly resonated with people and then let the content tell you what works. And that was so such a clear cut piece of content that worked so well. So I kept going down that road. And the next important thing is, I think, to understand is when you find something that works, don't expect it to work forever. It won't work forever. And again, that applies to life too. Make sure you get everything out of it and you optimize on it and you, you build on it, but make sure you already have like your foot on the next piece, on the next idea, even if you're not fully executing it yet, because the odds are it's going to stop working at one point. But all that to say, it's not been an easy, like linear journey. And don't get discouraged if you post for six months or seven months and nothing happens. If you're sticking, if you're staying consistent and if you're pro providing value and if you're authentically yourself, 
things will go your way. I just firmly believe that it's going to, it's going to happen. It's going to work. I think this is really interesting. And I think this also ties into the question that I have next for you. And that is when you're obviously growing, there are challenges like you've already mentioned and pressures that you obviously also face. First of all, are there other pressures that you now face that you grow? Is there like anything that you're like, oh my God, I did not realize that that comes with social media growth also. And if so, how do you handle that? It's really now a business. It's starting to really become a business for me. And I had never been in this kind of business, right? So there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of changes. I think the one thing is also how do you portray yourself and how, what are you comfortable with? Because there's a lot of things out there and almost, almost it feels like you have to be the craziest person out there to still get traction, to still catch people's eyes because the, the stuff that people put out there is... <laughs> mind-blowing and sometimes a you can't compete and b most of the time you don't want to compete with that so really finding your niche and finding how you can be authentically you and still stand out and if you think about it the only way to stand out in these days is to be you because everybody else is already taken so <laughs> that's something where make sure you have your bottom lines established and don't don't move from that so in my case you know as a female it's always it's not easy to portray yourself in a way that kind of is resonating with everyone and there are certain ways that is easy to resonate with you know many people and that's really never the way I wanted to portray myself so make sure you know how how you want to build your business how you want to portray yourself and don't let other people pressure you into feeling like you have to match anything that's already out there I think that's super valuable, especially in the, the time we live in. Let's double tap on time management. I think it's a super interesting topic and, and something to really learn from, especially you as an entrepreneur, having to juggle many responsibilities on a daily and weekly basis. So building your own business, as well as growing your social media presence, what are your time management hacks and, and tips and tricks you can maybe share with us that you kind of established for yourself or you're kind of learning as you go? I think I want to just say outright that everybody struggles with this. I don't think anybody has really a full system that works 100% of the time. So I just want to put that out there to, you know, in no way, shape or form, am I somebody who's like, oh my God, amazing in time management. <laughs> but we manage, right? So that's, it's, it is exactly what the word defines. For me, it's, I'm trying to be very organized. I try to really put, I kind of carve hours of my days out to al and allocate them to certain projects and obviously massively prioritize whatever needs to be done now versus this afternoon versus tomorrow, the prioritization of things. And that's usually, there's, there's a big difference between important and mm -hmm. urgent. So I want to make sure that that, that differentiator is huge. Mm -hmm. If you're building your time, because something may be, you know, urgent for somebody else, but it's really not important to you. So that should not take priority over the important things that you have established as a priority for you. So keep that differentiator differentiator between urgent and important. I agree with, with urgency versus, versus importance. That is, is a real difference from stakeholder to stakeholder that you deal with. And do you yeah. have any tool or are you still working with a physical calendar or are you relying on tech to help you manage your different tasks? Like, do you have anything to share on that, how you deal with different workloads? I'm 100% digital, <laughs> I can say. I don't even know. When we moved into our new house, my husband and I, a couple months ago, we didn't have a pen for a few months. And we only figured out we don't have a pen or a piece of paper unless we were going to go and like strip it out of our printer. 
which we also only had because, you know, we need it for the people that aren't fully digital. You know, I, I already, me and my printer have a love-hate relationship, but I think it's really funny. <laughs> But we had to have a pen. So I was like, shoot, did we never buy a pen? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how, how much I work with pen and paper. Yeah. And I'm highly digital. I have I have to have everything on my calendar. I highly appreciate my reminders 15 minutes before my meetings. I would be lost if it's not for the digital world. I'm the same. I'm not a pen and uh, paper person. <laughs> Though I do and have some, some pens at home. <laughs> Who still sends mail? This is my question. Why are you sending me a letter? I please know. stop sending me <laughs> The other really big topic for us is always centered around motivation. So how do you stay motivated and especially passionate about what you do, your endeavors and everything um, that comes with your, your multiple roles? I mean, I am very passionate about the golf space and the sports space. So that's just a kind of a given because of how I grew up and is it was my life and I really love it. So it's not hard for me to stay passionate about that. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I still obviously have days where I'm very, very, you know, exhausted, tired. I don't feel like I'm, you know, getting up and doing that one certain thing now and maybe wanting to do it later. But overall, the motive, the overall motivation of why you're doing something and, and what you're doing, I don't think that ever really, if you're doing, if you're in the right business and if you're in the right industry for yourself and you're truly kind of chasing what you can add value with and what you love then the overall motivation and passion will never really change it's just your your own like energy levels will fluctuate but i wouldn't make that i wouldn't like bundle that into all oh, your motivation is fluctuating if that makes sense so i think the key piece is to if you're in a job or in a position right now where you you feel like you're not fulfilled that then your motivation will probably you know go up and down because the underlying passion isn't there and i feel like this sounds very cliche and i consider myself very lucky that i i'm able to work and have built a career in what i'm really passionate in not everybody has that chance or not for everybody it's it's i don't want to say easy because it was certainly not easy for me but it's not that simple not everybody grows up in one industry and then happens to love it you know i do understand mm -hmm. that but i do think everybody has you know, certain amazing qualities that they may not know of. Like me and Nikki were talking uh, at one point and I just said, when I had to go through this too, like, what am, what am I really good at? What is it that defines me? And this class actually that I took for my social media branding course, it said, what do your friends ask you for? Your, your closest people, your friends and your family, what do they ask you for help for? What, what do people always come to you for? And everybody has an answer to that. And I thought that question really resonated with me because I was like, huh, what is it? And then I figured out it's advice. For me, it's advice. People come to me for advice because I'm a very direct person. I'm a very analytical person. I look for patterns in situations and lives and whatever. And I enjoy giving that feedback. So for mm -hmm. me, I'm like, oh, wow, I should really move into more of a coaching space because that is something I enjoy. I'm good at and people come to me for and that doesn't, you know, I could have applied this in other industries. It's not defined to golf. I could have applied this in anything. So maybe if there's one thing everybody takes away from today is ask yourself that question and see what the answer is. I think mm. this is a brilliant question to ask yourself, actually. What do people come to you for? And I, I think that's a very good starting point when you're lost. With so many achievements that you've already had and the transitions that you've made, how would you say you prioritize self-care and also maintain a work-life balance? Because I know that your calendar is pretty stacked and it's filling up more and more. How do you just say like, okay, now this is me time or this is family time. I shut off now. 
It's hard. It's hard on the fitness front and kind of your self-care and health side. I think it's really important to prioritize that. And it sounds so easy, but what I mean with this is it's like a meeting for me. When I work out or when I go to yoga, I love yoga or whatever it is that you love, put it on the calendar. Put on the calendar just like a meeting. It is on my work calendar and I'm just not available at that time, right? And it's hard and I think it gets a lot easier once you start doing this because people will also learn your rules. It's actually a lot more respectable when you have your time established and people know that they can work. They have to work around you and with you versus you always jump when they say jump because you don't have to. The world's not going to end in that one hour that you're going to work out. So my one recommendation is make sure it's a priority. Don't wait for your motivation to show up is the second thing. Do I really feel like getting on this next Zoom call? Probably not. Do I have to go there? Absolutely. <laughs> so a lot of people fall into the trap of waiting for motivation to show up and be like, hey, I'm here now. Let's go work out. That's that is a waste of your time. So put it on the calendar, treat it like a work meeting. And then in time, you will start enjoying that because it's it's actually a break from the actual yeah. work. You touch base on yoga. So what is it that you really do to wind down? Set aside the craziness of your everyday on a weekend or evening. Do you have any go-to, and this can be any time of the day, where you think, okay, this is really my own time where I can fully relax and mind down. This can be meditation, yoga, anything you, you want to share on, on that front. So I, I try to do yoga three times a week and I actually go to a studio and I do this because I don't feel like I can switch off at home because I work remotely and I, you know, that I don't have an office. My office is at home. So mm -hmm. I want to take myself out of that. And I think it's really important to have that separation for your mind because when you, I've tried doing it at home, but you know, my dog, family, the computer, the watch, I mean, everything is pinging and ringing at this point, right? So you just can't get away from it. And to really wind down your mind, for me, it's important to take myself out of that space, go to a, a safe space, so to say, where that happens, and then return back to the real world, if we want to call it mm -hmm. that. So that's, that's number one. And I think number two, I'm, I'm a morning person, and I love my mornings. And mm -hmm. that like 30 minutes in the morning before everybody kind of jumps on their computers is kind of like my sacred time where I just catch up with myself and that can be just drinking my coffee, talking to family or, you know, drinking my coffee and <clears throat> catching up on news, whatever it is that day. But those 30 minutes are really important to me for kind of to calibrate for the day. Yeah. Oh, that's super interesting. And I think that you're either a morning or evening person and, and that's where you cover out your time to, to reflect and, and do personal things, I guess. And, and that could be connecting mm -hmm. with other people, but also connecting with yourself. We do rapid fire questions, which is basically five questions I'll ask you and you're just going to have to answer one or the other. <laughs> is it coffee or tea you prefer? Tea. Morning person or night all? Definitely morning person. What time do you normally get up? Around seven. One book that changed your life? Never split the difference. Best golf course you've played at? Oh, that's a good one. It's hard. There's two. But I think the Atlantic, that's in uh, the Hamptons. It's an unbelievable course. And they have a golden retriever as a starter. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, there's this golden retriever that's sitting right next to the first tee always. And he's the cutest thing in the world. And he always like works with the starter to get everybody on the course. But it's a stunning course in the Hamptons. And it's just mind-blowing. It is beautiful on so many levels. If you guys have ever been to that area, you know, East Hampton type thing, it's just a, a very cool vibe. We gotta go. Definitely gonna go. And then lastly, best advice you've ever received, and this can be anything career-related or personal advice. <laughs> I think it's pretty simple, but don't sell yourself short. Learn your own value, define it, and 
you know, know your own worth, so to say, and, and be able to communicate that, practice communicating that and be comfortable doing so because there's a lot of value that you can bring. That, yeah. That's my one piece. Actually, have yeah. a mug at home, which is know your worth and then add tax. I like that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> my cup of coffee oh, in the great. mornings. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And now we just have two closing questions for you. So given the varied paths you've taken, what advice would you offer someone who's currently at a career crossroad or transition or uncertain about their next step in their career? I would say, number one, ask yourself that question that I yeah. mentioned, right? Like really define what it is that makes you you and the value you can bring mm -hmm. with that. And then just do it. You know, a lot of people are, and this, I'm not trying to be Nike, yeah. here, but I am saying that a lot of people, and it's only natural because change is scary. Change is something that the human mind doesn't necessarily gravitate towards. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I have learned to embrace by moving to a different country so early, by not speaking the language, by I consistently had to change and adjust. And the sooner you get comfortable with that, the better off you are. So I think just making the change, it's okay to not know what if it's going to be the right thing or the wrong thing. I don't want anybody to look at, oh, this was a right decision, this was a wrong decision. There's more than one way that leads to Rome. If you go left today, you can go right tomorrow. Don't feel like decisions you make are so finite. Life is always adjusting and changing. So change with it and just do it. Don't, don't sit around. If you're not happy, if you're not comfortable, change something. And even if that change isn't getting you all the way there, maybe the next change will get you further down the road, right? So that's really how you need to keep progressing. But if you're sitting in one place, you'll never yeah, progress. That is, that is so true. Now, if you could change one thing in your past, what would it be And how would you now do it differently with everything you've learned? I was always somebody who I like to ask people a lot of a lot of their opinions and questions and kind of see what they think. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And it's a lot of like kind of almost research on my end. Right now, I take this all into consideration and make my own educated decision. And that may be very different from what other people think. And I'm, I'm happy with that. But in the in the past, when I was younger, I really let other people's opinions influence me and shape my own image of what I am. So just because and other people may not know me that well, mm -hmm. right? But they think I'm A or B. So when they keep telling you that you're A or B, you're like, well, I probably am A or B. And then you don't feel comfortable saying, no, I'm actually C. And that's okay. And maybe there's some truth to what they're saying, but that's still not who I am. And I know myself better. Just feel comfortable with that, you know? And I wish I would have learned that a little earlier to take it into account, but to not make it my own image of myself. I think that's very interesting. I think it's so important, especially for the younger listeners out there to be yeah. like, hey, it's okay to be you and it's okay to not listen to other people because you, you should feel comfortable in who you are. Thank you so much, Caroline. This has been really a pleasure getting to know you better, to hear your life journey to this date. Obviously, there's so much more to come, which we're really, really excited to see. And obviously, we'll see us again maybe as part of this podcast and definitely going to go to the Hamptons together. <laughs> yeah. To... Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, me being the, the non-golf pro here out of the three. So, but yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> make it happen. And thanks so much for joining us today and getting the time out of your uh, busy schedule. Yeah.
Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. And also thank you to all of our listeners out there. And don't forget to check out uh, Caro on Instagram. Your Instagram handle is at Caroline Pinega or is it Coach Caroline? Correct. Yeah. My full name. My TikTok handle is at Coach Caroline. So go check her out. Her golf tip. Tips are actually very, very cool. I enjoy them myself. <laughs> My hallway now has golf clubs in it. And holes. <laughs> so yeah, until next time and keep cultivating your growth journey. Thank you. Thank you.